This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome to Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. And today we're going to be talking to a very, very good player, a very, very good coach, a very, very good bloke. Steve Malaxis joins me in the studio today. Steve, welcome. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for the intro. Tell us about yourself as a kid growing up because we know you as a footballer and very much a football person, but you had a bit of a junior cricket career too, didn't you? Yes, I did. I was footy in winter, cricket in summer uh, from a really early age uh, and I often tell the story. I was a batsman mainly. I was a better batsman at 15 than I was at 18 <laughs> and uh, I practiced a lot between 15 and 18, but I regressed. Uh, I didn't quite have the... Uh, the coaching that I needed. So I was doing a lot of, a lot of practice. It was sort of not the right practice and, and crickets. Uh, there's a lot of elements to being a good batsman. I didn't quite get it right, but, uh, were you stodgy or dasher? No, no, I was an opener. And, uh, part of my problem was I, I focused too much on technique. So I'd be out in the, out in the middle in a game, more worried about whether my grip was right than the next ball. Uh, but I'm being a little bit harder myself. I'll, Throw a few things. Actually, I played first grade when I was 15. And who was that As for? an opener. That was for Netherlands yep. uh, at Mel Vista. The coach was Terry McGill, Stewie McGill's father, uh, who was a fine cricketer in his own right. So I played a seconds game the year before. And, uh, yeah, we played Bayswater Morley, who had a pretty good attack. Wayne Clark, uh, Tom Mullooly, who were either playing state or state squad. Um, didn't last too long, but... Five or six overs as a 15-year-old, it's not too bad. <laughs> there wouldn't have been helmets in those days either, would there? No, no, not at all. So opening batsmen, yeah, pretty 15-year-old against those guys, pretty scary. Sorry, I should say, that was my second game. My first game was actually at, uh, it's come back to me, at West Perth. Yeah. Uh, and was at the Wacker. And Rick Charlesworth, I remember, was coach at West Perth. And I battled a long time. Uh, it was rain-affected and uh, he came afterwards and said, well batted because I took I made eight not out in a couple of hours and uh, <laughs> if you watch Rick bat he was of a similar line yeah, a bit yeah. better but their, their opening bowler Neil Swan just kept hurling abuse and bounces like you wouldn't believe at me yeah because there was a bit of that going around in grade cricket in those days and you needed to be fairly resilient to cop the verbals as well as the physical yes yeah, so I, I was sledged unmercifully in my first couple of games yeah uh, you know nothing what's the word nothing over the top yeah just just made you feel continually uncomfortable. Uh, so big to get through. Yeah. You played state juniors, correct? Yeah. State 16s and state school boys. Yeah. So state school boys was under 19s. Uh, and then, then after, uh, I was, the conversation was with, uh, Mossy. I, I was leaving footy training a bit early during preseason to get to cricket. Yeah. And Mossy came up to me and said, uh, you know, if you want to be a footballer, you're going to have to, train here for longer, uh, you need to make a decision. And, uh, so I, I chose footy, uh, footy was starting to move ahead. And as I said, I was struggling for runs at cricket. Yeah. But you know, I didn't actually sit down with my parents or anything. It wasn't any, you know, detailed, uh, uh, what's the word conversation with anyone. It was just a 15 year old making it. Well, no, it wasn't then. I was 17 making a call. Yeah. So before you play for a waffle club, you usually have a junior club. Did you have yep. a junior club other than Claremont? In, in foot, yeah, it was Claremont Junior Footy Club, uh, which my brother played for. Mossy actually played for, by the way. Uh, 
there's quite a few players. And then uh, I played a year at Dalkeith, Netherlands. So I grew up uh, in the Claremont area, about a K from the Oval, uh, near, near College Park, really. Yeah. Very wealthy area, Stav. Did you come from a wealthy family? Well, they ran a fruit and veggie shop, which is quite a famous fruit and veggie shop. Mum and Dad with my uncle and auntie in Rockaby Road, not yep. called Malaxis, it's called Califs. Uh, but, but I guess I made, well, not I guess, I made enough money to support two families and seven kids. And, uh, yeah, Dad used to uh, have, a, have a fair bit of cash under the pillow, you know, the Greek greengrocer. <laughs> <laughs> But, um, yeah, so, well, I don't know. We never considered ourselves wealthy, but I, I never wanted for anything as a kid. We weren't extravagant. Yeah. 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 What, what do you remember about arriving at the Claremont Football Club to play for Claremont, the Tigers? Well, when I was uh, – I used to hang out at Claremont. The, my sort of social life, uh, I'd go and watch the teams train and I'd go to the every game and I managed to – worm my way into the league change rooms and that before games, etc. And uh, one particular day, Mel Brown, who coached Claremont for one year, saw me in the corner and he called me over. Uh, I actually can't use the full conversation, Mark, for this family. Well, uh, give me the edited version, <laughs> please. And uh, he said, come here, uh, Steve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, you very young little boy. Uh, he said, they tell me you're a pretty good footballer. I said, oh, I'm not bad. And uh, he said, tell you what I'm going to do. You can come down and train at the Colts, but you're not going to play. So I trained at Claremont Colts when I was 14. Yep. And uh, he used to ride my bike. So that was my, that's when I first basically ran on to Claremont Oval as part of their club. Played Colts actually for three years, Mark, uh, in, in a really good team. Wayne Blackwell, Alan Daniels, the Crackers, et cetera. But a lot of boys um, got promoted ahead of me. Uh, yep. I was considered... Well, for one was Dal Peniza, for example, who was really quick. I was considered a little bit slow, et cetera, even though I was playing quite well. Uh, but I just stuck at it and uh, eventually got through the league uh, as a 17-year-old. So were you considered a midfielder at that stage or were you considered – because I remember you came in as a goal sneak, didn't yeah. you? Uh, yeah, I was a midfielder all, all, uh, all my junior career. Uh, in fact, one of my primary school teachers and even one of my high school teachers said, Steve – you're playing centre, changing Ruck Rover today. And I looked at the coach and I said, isn't that about the same position? <laughs> In other words, I was sort of everywhere everywhere on the field I used to go. But, yeah, my first game, I was picked on the, the bench at Bassendine, two on the bench and just got thrown on as a forward and was did it, all right. And, was there uh, any interchange in the, those no, days? No, no. So uh, Cole Reavy hadn't happened? No, that's, <laughs> well, it, it had, but I'm pretty sure there wasn't an interchange or it wasn't used. Anyhow, my first couple of games, I didn't play more than a – more than a half, but I was just always thrown into the forward line, did okay, and uh, played quite a few years there. Uh, and I guess my personality, Mark, was such that I get thrown in situations and try to make them work. Yeah. And that was that was just an example of that. Yeah. You, you mentioned the talent there was in the Colts team. What about yep. when you absolutely first graduated into the senior team? What sort of talent was going around for Claremont then? Oh, heaps. You know, Mossy, Brownlow, Meadows, Kenny Hunter, who was an absolute star at Carlton, Phil yep. and Jimmy, uh, and and just really good waffle players, you know, Noel Morton, Lindsay Canther, Brad Reynolds, uh, and some players who came from the Eastern States, Barry Beecroft, Gerald Betts, you know, Ralphie, Warren Ralph. So, you know, so Alan Daniels, who had a really good 
career, Waffle AFL, Daryl. So, yeah, we had, we had a, lot of, a lot of talent, wonderful team. Were you dedicated or were you social? No, I, I was obsessed, not were dedicated. You? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I, I was obsessed. How did that happen? <sighs> I've been asked it before and I just don't know why I became obsessive about being good at footy. Uh, yeah. In fact, it's, I often often feel I, I enjoy cricket more than footy. Uh, probably, but I watch a lot of footy, watch a lot of cricket, so, you know, that's debatable. Uh, but uh, I, I just don't know. Uh, but I, I became, I guess, a dream or a vision. I, I became pretty obsessed with playing just at least one league game for Claremont. So yeah. what, what were you like at school? Was there ever options other than football in terms of a career or did you think, I want to be a league footballer? Well, when I was in primary school, my um, one of my primary school teachers said, told mum, this this guy's a, a whiz at maths. Uh, he needs to do extra extra maths tuition. Uh, you know, he, he, he's off the charts with his times table and all that stuff. And were you or was she a bit lavish in her praise? I was really good at the times table, really good. <laughs> <laughs> Arithmetic. Uh, but once it branched out into trigonometry and geometry, yeah, no. Yeah, so yeah, I think yeah. she overstayed a bit. But I, I was really good at the times table. Um, but, yeah, uh, but pretty early on most teachers realised that footy was – or sports seemed to be what I was interested in. In fact, remember the music teacher sending me out. She gave up about a third of the way during the year and – uh, I used to go and sweep the cricket pitch or pump the footies up during music lessons. So <laughs> most of the teachers realised I was more interested in sport than anything else. And and mum and dad certainly did. Yeah. So that was you singing out of tune when they were singing the team songs, was it, back in those days? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was actually the little drummer boy in a play and I and I was a little bit mischievous at school and I, uh, I purposely kept on stuffing it up and she, <laughs> she ran out of patience. <laughs> yeah. Waffle football was big. Yeah. Back in those days, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. It, it, it was no small thing. It was the, the yeah. waffle football was the big dog of sporting competitions in in Perth at the time. Yeah, it was uh, four games usually every Saturday. I think it used yep. to be games Easter Monday, uh, and that was it. I don't even know if there was a bike. I can't remember such things like that. Three rounds at seven, and every Saturday. In fact, I used to have a sticker Saturday's football. That was the waffles. Brand, yeah, uh, and that's what it felt like to me and a lot of the population. Yeah, so you often drive past Bassendine or go to Bassendine or Claremont, but it's changed a lot. And think there was fifteen to seventeen thousand people here watching. Sometimes where, where were they? Where did they park? Yeah, so uh, yeah, wonderful days. Do you remember what sort of crowds you were playing in front of when you first played senior football for Claremont? Yes, I do. Like I remember the Claremont Oval. The, the grass bank's been pretty well packed, really, and the uh, the bar that up upper deck bar at Claremont, the lower lower one, and they were the upper one was packed till till closing time, till uh, 11, 12 o'clock. So uh, yeah, it was packed out. It was and, and people used to actually just stay at the footy club. It was a social event. They'd have bands, things like that. It was a wonderful era for the waffle. We're going to take a break. We'll be back after the break with Steve Malaxis and we'll talk about his stellar waffle career and his state of origin career at WA before he goes to Melbourne. This is Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bauer and O'Day. 
Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. We're speaking to Steve Malaxis, former All-Australian captain, uh, inaugural West Coast Eagle, and, uh, and still to this day a renowned coach around Perth. Steve, what year was it when you started playing senior football for Claremont? 1979. 1979. So at this stage, the Tigers are just starting to build a very formidable team, aren't they? Yes, they were. Uh, we finished on top, but uh, lost in straight sets, so to speak, in the in the finals. Yeah, second semi and uh, prelim, which set uh, set us back a bit um, mentally, that's for sure. And then the next year, as often happens, we took a bit of a dip, uh, finished fourth. Uh, but that was in 1980, then we rebounded from that. But that often happens, I think, Mark. You know, something's never, not never, it's not often a smooth graph up to the top. You have, it's often have a plateau or a dip and then go again. So what changed, do you think, over those two years? Was it just maturing or was it a bit of a hardening or were there some home truths told? No, not, no, I can't remember the hard truths, home truths, really. Uh, that wasn't really Mossy style. Uh, no, I think it was uh, just... More games into us yep. as, as a real simple uh, thing. Uh, and I, I think individual hardening, have, you know, we, rem- we, had, we actually lost a final in 1980. So we lost three three finals in a row and just a, a hardening of, of attitude and approach. Um, plus, uh, yeah, J- Jimmy and Phil were, were probably peaked in the waffle around 81, 82, and they, they had a significant effect not on just their on-field performance, but the club. Yeah. Uh, they made Clem on a um, – not totally on their own, but are, in my opinion, they had a major part in it. They made Clem on a very attractive place to uh, to come to as a player. We had recruits and an and a attractive place to come and watch footy and the crowds came in and uh, the club was really buzzing. And uh, I think that that whole environment. I remember going yeah. – I was uh, um, playing for um – the Narragin Agriculture Senior High School team. We yeah. played the state schoolboys in the morning. We came to watch you guys play South Romandle at Claremont Oval mm. in an afternoon, and the place was just pumping. Yeah, it was late in the season. Yeah, uh, it was two of the top teams. Yeah, and I remember the the kicking to Warren Ralph yeah. on the lead was exhilarating. You know, yeah. he was coming. I was barracking for South, so I wasn't enjoying yeah. it that much. But the 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 speed of the game that you had and and your ability to hit your spearhead was. Uh, was quite incredible that day. Yes. Uh, well, we had a skillful side. South Romano were really good as well. Uh, but, uh, you know, not but, but in those days it was six backs on six forwards and you didn't get opposition defenders pushing in. So the someone like Ralphie had a, more space to lead into as well. So, yeah, that was the style of play it was. But, uh, uh, yeah, and Mossy was still playing great footy. I mean, Stephen Michael was – him and Stephen Michael were – the preeminent ruckman uh, in the state for sure, maybe even Australian. There was Ron Boucher at Swans, so and another really good ruckman in the waffle. Was it was that the era where you still had the golden triangle, as they used to call yeah. you, the Brett Farmer in one pocket, yeah. Warren Ralph at full forward, and you in the other forward pocket? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think one year we kicked between us about two forty 
Ralphie had the most, and I was second, then Brett 50 or 60. But yeah, uh, was. We played in the f- full forward line. Uh, my role was never explained, and you know, <laughs> I, I just. So, so, what did you, how did you interpret that? What role did you play? Uh, just pick up the scraps, really, yeah, from. Yeah. Ralphie on the lead or or Brett used to fly for a few marks, pick up the scraps, uh, the occasional lead. Jimmy and Phil were um, half forward or forward when they were resting, so sometimes they'd they'd find you. Uh, but we didn't count inside 50s in those days, but sometimes you honestly couldn't help but kick three or four goals, Mark, because the ball was in there so much. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I remember sometimes thinking I'd played an average game and – and and kick four goals, uh, and uh, yeah, we, we we kicked some high scores. We kicked thirty seven goals one day. Yeah, yeah, would have been good to watch. Wouldn't have been much fun to play against. I would have thought. No, I had a I had a couple of mates who who I who played on me, and uh, uh, yeah, I thought they actually played pretty well. But as I said, we just had weight of inside fifties. Yeah, and and we played a very fast open style, so we, we were a hard team to defend against. What do you remember about the 81 final series, the grand final in particular, with the big brawl at the start against South Fremantle? Uh, a couple of things. They say it was all in, uh, but at best it was 17 v 17 because me, me and my opponent, Rod Barrett, we didn't go in. Yeah. <laughs> Gentleman Rod. So they say it was an all in and that's not true because I, I know that for a fact. But I, I can, I, I, when I think about it, I still feel the energy. I've, I felt a, an electricity on the field, uh, an electricity in the crowd uh, that I've rarely experienced. It was it was high octane there for a while. You know, it was a grand final, but fights were breaking out. Yep. Um, it, it sort of felt hatred between, yeah, I vividly remember that. Hurt my ankle early on, and I thought, oh, my God, wait all your life to play in a grand final, yep. and you've hurt your ankle. You're not going off. Uh, so end up playing playing on with it, but, uh, so what did they used to do in those days? Was it strapped? Was it re-strapped? What, what, what did I didn't tell anyone, Mark, cause I, I thought if I tell someone and they bring me off. So I, uh, it's one they couldn't see, you know, well, they might've, yep. yeah, Murray Ward was their assistant. He might've, but no one asked me and I, I didn't tell anyone. So it was yeah. a remarkable game that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Because South were probably, if anything, on top early, butchered mm. opportunities, Rioli, Mm. Morris Rioli was going absolutely mm. Mm. nuts for three quarters and then ran out of puff and you guys just stayed the course and got yeah. over the top of them. Yes. The third quarter was pivotal. I'll probably get this slightly wrong, but the guts of it is right. I think South kicked about six goals, 10 or something yep. in the third quarter um, or pretty close to that. So that's a lot of shots. I guess a lot of energy expended. Uh, and that was, that was after that we, we got on top. Um, and we, sometimes in a grand final, when you get the, the smell of victory, you know, halfway through a last quarter or something, it's very, very hard for the oppositionists to stop when you, when you, you think you're really close to the finishing line, you just, you just go to another level. It's hard to describe. They were two very good teams. Yeah. And there would have been what? 45,000 plus in the house that day. At yeah, I don't know what the actual crowd. Yeah. At least. Yeah. Well, I would have said 50, but it was probably 48 or something. Yeah. So that's like a derby, like a, yeah. a Western derby now, isn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. And they're screaming for both teams, not yes. just the home team. That's right. Well. Yeah. Wonderful atmosphere. Yeah. yeah. And Swans also grew 
as a power after that, and we and there were similar crowds at the grand finals then. Yeah. Were you still playing as the forward pocket specialist at that point, or when did the switch to the midfield come? Uh, the switch to the midfield came in 83. Right. Uh, so I played as a forward in 81, 82, and then Jimmy and Phil had gone, and uh, there was a few more uh, spots open up through the midfield. So yeah. when did uh, – was Graham Moss still in charge? Yeah, then? still the coach, yeah. And, and how did that conversation go when he said he wanted you to be a midfielder? He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Murray Ward was the assistant and, and, uh, I, I got myself, well, not fitter. I was always fit, but I, uh, did some more endurance work yeah. and just, and had a brief chat to Murray who I played with his sons in juniors and he was, he knew I was a midfielder. So I said, I'd like to have a go in the midfield and, and that's what happened. Um, and then Mossy, you know, round one game said, oh, playing centre. So that was the extent of the discussion. Yeah. With Mossy. So yeah. tell us about Mossy as a coach. You mentioned yeah. off here, he was a different sort of coach, wasn't he? Yeah, he was great for me, uh, I guess, as, as a captain coach as well. Uh, he was a great player to play with, by the way. Uh, he, he was pretty quiet. He didn't give me many instructions, uh, didn't ask for much feedback from me. And uh, I was, I always thought a lot about footy and my game and uh, I, I guess Moss is a very intelligent person. I guess he thought Steve seems to have what he needs to do under in hand or or uh, what he, you know, all above board. So I'll just let him go. If there's an issue, I'll raise it. He, you, he did come to me once and said, I've got to stop giving away 15-metre penalties for um, getting stuck into the umpire. So that was the one time we sat down. I just sense a bit of a – it's a – it's a yeah. subject of the week, Stabber. <laughs> well, you, it was going a, around 40 years ago, I can you, tell, yeah. You were a bit of a back chatter, were you? Ah, uh, yeah, I was, because I was so, what's the word, hell-bent on doing well. Any decision uh, that went against me had a sort of a psychological effect because I desperately wanted that free kick or something, yeah, yeah. But I learned my lesson in 83. I had a pretty good year, didn't get... Well, I got a few votes in the standover, but not as many as I thought. And I thought, oh, well, I better better keep quiet with the umps. But I, I had a good relationship with the umpires. So yeah. you go through 83, you have a successful period as the yeah. uh, playing in the midfield. What well, changed between that and 1984? Not much, really. Uh, I actually, I think I had a better year in 83, but 84, things just, as they sometimes do, just circ- few, quite a few circumstances fell on the right side of the ledger. Uh, and that, that was a year when I, when I received, I guess, um, awards and that. But uh, 83, I thought I played close to my best ever footy. Uh, at the end, actually, the end of 83, Hawthorne signed me on a Form 4. Which meant what? Uh, it meant I got $10,000, Mark. That's good. <laughs> That's a lot of money. Back <laughs> a lot of money. I didn't know. Didn't argue. I probably didn't have a manager. I just thought, well, and Steve, if you sign this, we're going to give you $10,000. And I thought, because didn't even have mum or dad there. I thought, oh, that, that sounds pretty good. 5000 now, 5000 in 12 months. So that was done. But what it meant is you were tied. I was tied to Hawthorne. And if I was ever to go to uh, Melbourne to play, it had to be with Hawthorne. Yeah. We'll take a break there and we'll come back and we'll talk about your career at Hawthorne, among other things. This is Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you by Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. 
don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories, brought to you by Bauer and O'Day. And we're talking to Steve Malaxis, and we're up to a point in Steve's footy career where he's a star in the waffle, playing in the centre at Claremont. Steve, can you remember your first taste of interstate footy? Yeah, it was a state game against South Australia at uh, Subiaco Oval. Uh, Mal Brown was the coach. Uh, we won, not by big way, three or four goals, but uh, I, I cherished playing for the state. I, I grew up uh, in the era where listening to state games, I remember listening to the famous 71 game, was it, at the MCG when WA nearly ne- beat them. Nearly beat 1970, them. I think. 70, yeah. was it? Yeah. So, yeah, uh, yeah I, I thought to play state footy was as good as you could possibly get. So I, when I was picked, um, I was thrilled. I was overlooked a couple of times and was very disappointed, but got picked and I was thrilled. So were you playing as a forward or a midfielder back in those days? Uh, my first game in the state was a, as a forward. In fact, most of my games for the state, I played a couple in the middle, but a lot of my half forward. So 1983 finishes, you're established yep. in the midfield at Claremont and then 1984, um, you mentioned that, you felt you played as well in 83, but yep. you got recognised more in 84. Yeah, um, You were also the All-Australian captain yeah. in 1984. Tell us about that. Well, circumstances, Mark. Uh, I wasn't even captain of Claremont, but Noel Morton got injured. So I think a week before the state game, I was Claremont captain and we played Swans and John Todd was the coach of Swans. He was a state coach. We won. I happened to play all right, got a bit of praise for whatever, leading the side to victory, which which was a bit over overplayed. But And then uh, got named captain of South for the game against South Australia. Uh, we won that game uh, in, the last, in the dying seconds. Robert Wiley kicked yep. uh, a goal to put us in front. That was a, at Footy Park, wasn't Footy it? Footy Park. Uh, so Toddy, a fierce WA Patriot, uh, said, no, no, you're going to stay captain even when the the big boys from the Eastern States, Ross Glendinning and Morris Rioli and all those guys come back. You want to stay captain and played, we played Victoria and we won by a few points again. And once you did, once we did that, we won the title and it's almost written that the captain of the winning teams, the all Australian captain. So uh, in about four weeks, I went from vice captain of Claremont to um, being named all Australian, but it was just a, a series of circumstances, and it was three close wins in a in a row. You know, it's just, I guess, you know, one of one of those parts of your life when things just turn turn green for a bit. Tell us about the game against Victoria at Subiaco Oval back in the days when there were you know forty thousand people there to watch that game. Yeah, although wonderful occasions, uh, and. Yeah, I, I think back on even now. I'm thinking, wow, I, I was twenty, only twenty three. I'm thinking, God, I was a twenty three year old kid who just want, used to kick the ball down the park, and I was running out leading WA in um, the biggest event. So even now, I think back, how, how did all that happen? Yeah. Uh, but once again, for me to play against the 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 big V, uh, I mean, I sort of had that on, had them on a, another pedestal. Uh, so it was a yeah major, major event in my life, and uh, yeah, w- wonderful memories. You know, we had great players on both sides. So, yeah. but even I would imagine you were captaining people who would have been your heroes. Yeah, I imagine. that's right. And t- 
to their credit, uh, they're very nice to me, but they're probably thinking, mate, we got no idea why you're captain. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even play in the VFL. There's about six or eight guys, at least better players than you in the team. <laughs> But, um, we'll, we'll, to, um, but we'll respect you. We'll respect you because, you know, we're West Australian as well. I, re- I, I, I actually think that's what happened. <laughs> so did you have to sort of get him in and give the rousing pre-match talk or out on the ground or anything like that? Did that, that happen in those days? I, I did that on the ground. Uh, yeah. You remember what you said? No, I usually can't, Mark, on the field. <laughs> <laughs> usually can't. No, I definitely can't. Right. Uh, but also remember when – we went to Ireland, uh, talking to the boys pre-game and I'm thinking, you know, Robert Flower, Terry Danaher, all these guys are, are in the team. They're, they're thinking, how, how the hell is this guy captain? Uh, but, uh, you know, it actually crossed my mind. I thought, I'm a bit embarrassed. I've got, I've got to tell Toddy I don't want to be captain. But then I thought, oh no, don't be stupid. You know, you... Get, don't get these sorts of things don't happen very often. Take it and try and make the best of it. Yeah. So I remember that series actually. We were yeah. watching that on TV and it was, was I don't know whether it was the first one, but it was one of the first ones, wasn't it? The the hybrid game, basically. Yeah, yeah in uh it was only a small crowd at uh, in Cork, only about ten thousand people. But yep. uh there was a lot a lot of fights broke out on the field. Uh, yep. Gary McIntosh, for example, South Australian, ran through a bloke, uh, and it was on for young and old. Uh and we got castigated for tactics, et cetera, in the media over there. But what happened was the next game at uh, Croke Park was about 50,000 people. Yep. And then the last game was about 70. Uh, ma- massive crowds for the last two tests. Massive. Did, did you win that series? We did. And once again, uh, still on that theme, uh, yeah, we won in the dying minutes of the third test. So here I am standing on the... They used to march up like they used to do in the FA Cup. We'd march up as a team and yep. collect the cup, and I collected the cup. And uh, um, Dr. Alan Aylard had flown over, the head of the, the VFL, and there I am holding up the cup uh, as the Australian captain. <laughs> it was like, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it was just a series of close wins, yeah. what? Where does that sit in your career, given all that you've done in so yeah. many – Spheres as a footballer, where does that moment sit? You think? I've got a, I've got a photo of it. I, I don't talk about it really right. all that much. Um, it's be one of the few times I have. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe because it, I, I just felt fortunate. You know, I, I, I didn't really feel as though I should have been the captain, but I was. So that maybe that's why I'm a little bit reticent to talk about it because. I don't know if, if I'd get embarrassed if people – I keep thinking people thinking, what were you doing then, captain of the Australian team? So I, I prefer not to talk about it. I think that's the reason. Um, so two things before we take another break. The Sandover medal yep. at the Entertainment Centre, I believe. Yes. The most raucous Sandover medal in history. What do you remember about that night when you shared the medal with – was it Peter Spencer and Michael, Michael Mitchell? Michael Mitchell, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we you used to get booed. We got booed for getting votes. <laughs> so I don't think that happens anymore. Yeah, uh, well, it certainly doesn't. Yeah, uh, mine. I'm, I'm not saying it was rigged, Mark, but put it this way: mine was the last vote read out, and I needed three votes to tie, and it was the last, the last card read out. Yeah. Uh, so 
yeah, I, yeah, when your name's read out, just thrilled. I wasn't, I wasn't worried that two other guys had won it at all. You know, it's just pleased that uh, I, I was one of them. And we got we there was prize money in those days, Mark. Yeah, twenty five grand. So we shared it, eight thousand three hundred and thirty three dollars and thirty three cents each. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I would have won on a countback. And I keep telling Mitch and Spanner that that they're, they're very lucky that they were on the dais with me. You know, because I would have won on a countback. I think Hawthorne in nineteen eighty five. Yeah. Was a struggle for you, wasn't yeah. it? You, you started in the senior team, ended up yeah. in, in the seconds. Talk yeah. us through that. Yeah, as big a, what, uh, as big a whack between the eyes as you can get. As, as much as 84 was a series of circumstances that just tipped in my favour, 85 was the complete opposite. I didn't get off to a good start. In 83 and 84, every radio station in Perth, for example, had awards. And I, I won quite a few awards and they were trips, but I didn't take any. But I decided in 84 I'd take a trip and I missed part of the pre-season. Yep. There's no way I would ever do that again, but I did. So I was a bit behind the eight ball. That was my fault. Uh, never really caught up. I actually played all right in my first game. It was a, The first game was a, was a massive game. It was Hawthorne-Essendon grand final replay at Waverley and it was the only game of the round to kick off the, the year. So uh, a massive game. Kicked a few goals. At yeah, yeah, uh, two or three. I played all right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I guess if you were based on that game, you'd think, oh, this guy's going to be be quite handy for the rest of the year. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I caught chicken pox actually early in the season and uh, that really debilitated me and, and knocked me around and I never really recovered from, from that from an illness point of view. And... Uh, then Hawthorne got on a roll late in the year. I got back in the team, but then got sick again. So just all those little things. Hawthorne got on a roll, couldn't get back in the team. Played in the reserves flag, though. <laughs> we'll take a break and we'll come back and we'll talk about the shift back to Perth and the beginning of yep. the West Coast Eagles as well as your coaching career. This is Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bauer and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Welcome back to Inspiring Sports Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. And we're talking to Steve Malaxis. Steve, you had a, a, a blessed early career, but the year at Hawthorne was tough. I got the feeling, though, that you still enjoyed your time there and you formed quite strong bonds with the club. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yes, I feel as though I know the, a lot of those guys really well, yet I was only there for 12 months. Uh, so, yeah, it was, I, I guess it, it speaks about the club and the, and the players who were there at the time. Uh, it was a wonderful era for Hawthorne. Uh, you know, Matthews, Tuck, Knights, Bacchanara, uh, Terry Wallace, Rodney Ede, yeah, so, um, you know, wonderful array of football individuals, uh, really. So, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed my time uh, at Hawthorne. And, uh, yeah, the, the actual footy side of things didn't go great. But, uh, you know, as you get older, Mark, you, you put it into a, a piece and, and you, it, it's much easier to deal with now than it was at the time. Tell stories, make it better, mate. <laughs> make ex And make excuses. How was it playing alongside Dermot Brereton if you were playing at half forward? Yeah, well... 
hard, hard to explain. Uh, Dermot didn't talk a lot on the on the field. He, he you know, he was, uh, and and you know, Lee Matthews playing the same team as him for a few games. He didn't talk much on the field, so he yeah. had all these great players not really talking a lot. But that a that a real the buzzword is synergy uh, without yeah. even talking a lot or communicating a lot. Uh, I, I probably spoke more to John Kennedy Jr. out on the field or, or Rodney Eade out on the field, who was a winger, uh, et cetera. But, uh, yeah, I got on well with Dermot. It's just, you know, there wasn't a lot of interaction on the field other than calling for the ball or or things like that. Uh, but, yeah, he's another example of uh, – he was just starting then. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, even the training was, was, gr- was great really for – Someone who loved footy just to be actually barrack for Hawthorne, so that's that's the main reason I signed. So when they said come to Hawthorne, you know, I didn't even think about the business element of it. I thought, how good is this? So uh, to actually be training and playing at Glen, at training at Glen Ferry and playing, I, I thought it was magic. Why did you come home after twelve months? What was the thinking there? Uh, well, I'd had Claremont and got win. Things weren't going well. And they kept on making a. A play, I actually got uh, interviewed by Mick Malthouse, who was at Footscray and Geelong, and I thought I uh, thought I was going to end up going to Footscray, but I think I was, even though I enjoyed my time, I think I was that down in the dumps about my footy. Uh, Claremont felt like a, a safe haven, I guess. Yep. Uh, so that that's why um, I had opportunities to go to other clubs, but. Uh, yeah, I, I just felt like the safe haven. It was pretty, pretty rugged going because I, I was quite a high-profile recruit. And I remember yep. the first time I got dropped. Remember those old newsstands that they used to have the headlines? Yes. I didn't know I'd been dropped. So it was a Friday morning. I, I was teaching because uh, we all had jobs. And I drove around the corner. I was on a main road. And it's got, well, access dropped. And that's the first I knew of it. <laughs> uh, and I went, wow. And then I'd drive another 500 metres and the other news agents got Malaxis dropped. And then and I got to school and the kids are saying, you've been dropped. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was pretty pretty hard going. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's a bit odd, isn't it? When I say that I loved Hawthorne, I loved Melbourne, but I really struggled with that aspect. But I think the safe haven is probably my best explanation. Tell us about joining the West Coast Eagles, their inaugural year. Yeah, it came out of the blue, Mark. Um, I I didn't really know till about a third of the way during the year and uh, Mossy got, he was involved in the recruiting. He got about eight of us in and said, this team looks like starting. There'll be five, looks like been five of you players just tipping you off. You're all interested. And then one thing led to the other. I, I was pretty fortunate to get picked because I suffered a bad knee injury in the middle of that year. Uh, and probably thought I'd done my, done my dash. I thought, they're not going to re- recruit to a new team, a guy with an existing knee injury. Uh, but they did. So thankfully to Mossy and Ron and that. And, uh, yeah, I was just hell-bent on having a good year, Mark. Uh, so tried to leave no stone unturned to uh, have, a, have a good year in the uh, – still called the VFL then, wasn't it? It was the expanded yeah. VFL. You yeah. win 11 games. Mm. And they sacked the coach. Yes, and I, I had no wind of it. I was actually in Melbourne because I had another tour to Ireland in 1987 and there was a couple of us and we'd arrived in Melbourne. We went to a function and uh, they got notice from there that uh, Ron had been sacked and I was I was very surprised. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, I got on well with Ron, uh, and and to me he was a a good coach. But uh, yeah, obviously there were things that uh, I was unaware of, uh, and probably still unaware of that occurred. Yeah. Finals in nineteen eighty eight. How mm. big was that in Perth? Being a being part of the West Coast team that played their first final series. Yeah, it was great under Toddy and. To put it into some sort of perspective, it was a final five, like now, final eight. So we did really well to make the final five, albeit there wasn't 18 teams. Yes, and we, we made a good fist of it in the first final, but we lost uh, by a couple of points. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it was great to play in a, in a final. Very, yeah, very disappointing because we lost a close one, but it was great to play. Did it finish a little bit earlier than you expected in 1990? You had a... You had a strong season. Yeah. You were captain of the team, and you ended up out of the team for a for a yeah. final in nineteen ninety. Yes. Well, it was. This usually comes up in the interviews, and it's pretty hard to describe the brutality. Uh, I was captain, and of a team in a final, and that was the last time I ever played an AFL game. Uh, so, so Mick Malthouse was the coach. Yeah. So I went from leading a team out in a final. And two hours later, that was to be my last game. So it was a really, it was a really uh, brutal decision. Uh, obviously, in their minds, justified, et cetera, et cetera. And as I said, you you piece it all together in in what's happened in your life, and uh, it all works out. But yeah, it was a uh, a, a very difficult thing to uh, overcome mentally and emotionally. That the support networks weren't as great. Yeah. Uh, so you basically did it on your own and. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I didn't handle it well, but I'm I'm not sure how you, that'd, that'd be how difficult you to, yeah, yeah, it was very difficult to handle, I'm, and I'm not I'm not sure I handled it well, but uh, uh, certainly hardened me up for the future. Yeah, you, you played on for some time after that, didn't you? You went to East Fremantle and yeah. had a long waffle yeah. career at East Fremantle. Yeah, uh, Ken Judge, who I met at Hawthorne, was the, yeah. the coach and uh, enticed me there, and he was. Uh, yeah, I had a wonderful time at East Fremantle, that area. And then Tony McCall, who's been a wonderful waffle coach. Uh, yeah, had, a, had good times at East Fremantle as a player, yeah. Do you uh, – did, did you think at that time you would become a coach? Because you you went into coaching and had a great assistant coaching yeah. career, then a then a yeah. coaching career in the waffle. Yes, I, I always feel as though when I watch games, even as a kid, that I – I wasn't just getting excited about the goals and marks. I always felt that I was looking at it from a another angle uh, and I was very studious and conscientious. Uh, does, does that mean you're going to be a coach or a good coach? Probably not, but I always had that, that angle at how I looked at the game. So uh, in some ways it might have been a natural progression, uh, but, you know, even that doesn't prepare you for, for what coaching really is. You're still coaching now. You coach Scotch yeah. College in the PSA yeah. and you do work down at West Coast as well. How's, yes. how's that? Uh, the work at West Coast is in community development and I enjoy the break from, I guess, the win-loss aspect uh, and it's involved in footy, but there's, I guess it's all win. It's all positive going out of the community and not so developing the game or helping develop the game and promote the game and West Coast. So that's uh, something I really enjoy and the coach, I was talking to a guy the other day and trying to explain that sometimes you you hit the sweet spot and it's just like where I am in mentally and how I see footy has just gelled yeah. at Scotch and the environment at Scotch has gelled with me. 
you can probably go for ages and years and n- nothing quite gels, but it's, it's just clicked at Scotch uh, so far. Yeah. One last one. Do you still love the game? I do. There's times when I've, I've asked myself, why did I get involved in this stupid game? I should have just gone and gone and got a regular job. There's been lots of times when I've, uh, when I've really questioned why, why I was involved in footy. Because uh, it's it's a ver- can be a very harsh and brutal business, but in the long run, it's been good for me, very good for me. Steve Malaxis on inspiring sports stories, brought to you by Barra and O'Day. Stav, congratulations! Uh, been a great career and a and a life well lived in football, I think. And certainly, the sport has been better and richer for for having known you. I think uh, locally and and nationally. So well done. Thanks, Mark, and thanks for the. Uh, the nature of your interview. Steve Malaxis on Inspiring Sports Stories. Been brought to you by Barrett and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. This is Inspiring Sports Stories with Mark Duffield on SEM. Thanks to Barrett and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.